KookCast episode 10. You. Hey kooks, are you learning how to surf? Or have you been surfing for 45 years like my guest, Jim Wanslack? Well, it doesn't really matter how long you've been surfing because we're all kooks in our own way. If you've ever kooked it or you just like to laugh when other people do, stick around. This podcast is just for you. I'm sure it's obvious by now, surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all anxious next time you go to the beach, because we all kook it at some point. So hang on to your swimmies and get ready to learn. The KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom, one story at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, from the Surf Coaching and Education Program, The Surf Continuum, where I work with all types of surfers to cultivate proper technique, fundamental skills, and education on how to read waves so you can surf for life. Sit down with Jim and myself while we sit inside his cozy mobile home on a rainy, stormy day to discuss the secret to surfing through your 60s, novelty waves, and of course, those kooky moments that every surfer faces at some point. All right, cool. Uh, Jim, thanks for being on the show. Jim Wanzalak, is that right? That's right. Cool. Uh, how old are you? I'm 60. 60 years old. And would you mind sharing some of your secrets to surfing for as long as you have been and just continuing on? Yeah, well, uh, it seems like there's always another challenge the older you get. Um, health is always important. So you always try to stay fit and you always try to eat the right things. But you know what? In real life, for me, uh, you tend to gain a little bit of weight, and that, that slows you down, so you got to try to keep your weight down. Um, it's working out in the winter a bit. Um, I wish I did that more, but it helps. But uh, it seems like it's a tough thing to do. But you got to just keep on going out. If you stop surfing, you're going to lose it. That's the old saying, if you, you don't do it, you lose it. So. Right, right. Don't use it, you lose it. Um, and what about like mobility and flexibility? Do you notice some of those issues or if you keep surfing, does it stick with you? This year is probably the worst I've felt it. Oh, wow. I'm having a hard time getting to my feet. Um, I still struggle to get up there and I, I still get to my feet, but it's not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. So I am researching different things to do to be able to do that. I'm hoping to go see a, uh, I don't know if I need physical therapy or just an orthopedist to help me out. Um, I'm thinking maybe it's even lower back stuff, and it doesn't hurt, but I'm not getting my feet under me like I want to. Mm-hmm. So. Do you stretch? Not as much as I should, mm-hmm. but I do in the morning. It's so funny how like some of the solutions to the problems we have are so simple, and we still just don't do them. Yeah. You know, isn't Human that? nature. Yeah, yeah. We're, we can just be so complacent and watch these things go away. I mean, I notice it in myself. I know I should be stretching, and there's times where I'm just like, nah. <laughs> well, the waves are so good. I'm going in. Yeah, just go straight in, right? Yep. Of course. Um, but man, so Jim Wanzalak here is a staple in the lineup as far as I'm concerned. He is one of those guys that just quietly sits there, gets his waves, doesn't make a big fuss over things, patient, very forgiving and sharing with everyone out there in the lineup. And it's just, it's such a treat. And so I look at you, Jim, and I think to myself, like, man, I hope I'm surfing like you when I'm your age. And, and with the same temperament, too, I think that's an important part of it because there are guys your age still surfing, but they don't necessarily have the same attitude. They're a little f- more frustrated, maybe, or, or angry. Uh, who knows what it is, but I definitely want to make sure I have your attitude. Well, thanks. So what are some of your secrets? Uh, I know you have a, uh, some gear that helps you 
stay and, uh, you know, m you know, might necessarily be considered kooky, but geez, what does that matter if it keeps you surfing? Well, um, I definitely wear uh, reef walkers or the, the, the reef shoes. I've always worn them or something like it. Maybe it was like 10, 15 years I didn't, but uh, to start off with, when I went out, my feet were getting so beat up on the rocks out here, as I learned in Montauk, that I started wearing sneakers. <laughs> and that was probably about 13, 14 years old. And they were cons. <laughs> and man, I knew I looked stupid as anything, but I was able to get out there and surf. And then I got to be friends with my friend Charlie, who is another staple on, on the beach and in the water. And he says, I can't surf with you, you're going to wear sneakers. <laughs> so he got me a pair of boots, he had an old pair of boots and he gave them to me to, oh. to use for a while. So That's nice, make it a little more bearable for him, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but I, I like your point though, I mean, now you're surfing, you don't have to think about your feet, you know? Yeah, so I wear those booties and I also have this thing that I wear on my chest. It's like a, uh, it, it's supposed to be a wedge that keeps your back and neck up and it's supposed to be helping that. And I don't wear it for that. I have like a, some kind of a calcium buildup or something in my, the center of my chest and my sternum. And it hurts like hell to uh, be able to paddle. Mm -hmm. So I need to cushion that. Otherwise, I can't surf. So mm -hmm. I wear this thing and I look like a ninja turtle. <laughs> and uh, just another thing that maybe looks kooky, but uh, it, it keeps me going. I've been wearing it for 10 years. And you know what? I don't care. I, I get out there and I saw people laugh at it. What the heck is that? But I, I goof around. I'm all right with it. Yeah, so, well, uh, you have the right attitude. And I like what you said the other night when we were talking about doing this reporting together. Um, y you were just basically saying, like, yeah, so it's funny looking, whatever. But, hey, I didn't quit surfing. I'm still going. Yeah. And I like that, you know, because that's really, at the end of the day, what you want to do is keep surfing, no? Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, you just had said, like, other other sixty year olds gave it up, but not me. Yeah, I, I like that. I, I, really I just do. read an article about Charlie Bunger because he just passed away. Yeah, rest in let him rest in peace there. Mm -hmm. But uh, he stopped surfing at like forty one or forty seven or something like that. He was always involved with surfing still. Right. But he stopped surfing. I was surprised because uh, you know you're around it so much. You know you don't want to stop. Right. Right. And that's nineteen years that you've been past that age and still surfing. So right. good on you, Jim. That's awesome. Really, it is admirable, and I think it's something that especially older listeners will appreciate, you know, hearing this and, like, knowing that it can be done. And if they're wise, younger listeners will, too, you know, because, as you know, it's, it's, it's a trademark of a young person to be so prideful in your ability and not to think about the future. But, man, that age is coming. Year by year, you're getting older, so... Yeah, next thing you know, it's there. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, it's good to hear from you that, you know, it can be done, and you got to just suck it up and wear some of these things that, that make it possible for you to surf. I know I'll be. I already got my flappity hat, you know, that yeah. protects my ears and neck. I love the thing, to That's be honest. That's a good thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Save, save my skin, really, from all that sunblock that I'd otherwise be slathering on my neck and ears, which those are those parts that you forget about, too, anyway. You know, yep. you just put on your nose and your cheeks, you know, maybe hit those little spots in your face and then run out there, and then next thing you know, your neck and ears are fried. And if you go to a dermatologist, they freak out. Oh, my God, I know. Oh, your neck is really bad. Yeah. So, you know. That's funny. So how long have you been surfing in total? I guess it has to be uh, 45 years. Wow, awesome. Maybe a little longer, but 
best awesome. at. That's great, Jim. Uh, can you can you tell us about your first surfing experience? Do you remember the very very first time you got to try surfing, and how did it go down? Well, we didn't have boogie boards. We had styrofoam boards that you'd ride over near the lifeguard area, and all of a sudden you say, you know what? I'm gonna. I see everybody else surfing. I'm gonna get to your knees and almost stand up on them, but it was really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And then my father. Who was he? He owned Lindenhurst Auto Body, and he was right near a surf shop. It was Island Design, and he he was talking to the guy there, and he got me a surfboard. Now the surfboard was eight dollars, and it was broken off at the nose. It had no fin, <laughs> and it was a Bunger surfboard, uh, designed by uh, Hanley, and. He put it back together with some boat fiberglass and put the fin on. He did a pretty good job considering. And I still have it out there. And uh, it was like an eight-foot fun shape back then. And uh, that was the first thing I started to learn how to surf on. Very cool. And so you still have it. That was yeah. that board outside. Yes. Very cool. And so what was the actual process of learning to surf like for you? Did you have a friend to guide you or do you, were you just striking out on your own? Uh, my older brother was surfing a little bit. And... We would go out, and he's a, nat, he's a phys ed teacher, so he always taught me how to do certain things. And he would teach me, and we would be sitting out there, and it's just a school of hard knocks back then. You, 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 you worked hard for the wave. If you got it, then you got to your feet. Getting to your feet when you're that age isn't as bad. It's a pretty good thing. If you have, if you have some kind of uh, uh, athleticism, you'd be able to get to your feet back then, and that's true now. True. So the hard part was catching the wave, and then after you learn how to t- catch the wave and go straight, then you learn how to turn along the side, or maybe you, you angled when you went for the wave and you were able to uh, go along the side of the wave. That was the most incredible feeling in the entire world. Catching the wave was pretty cool and riding it straight in, but when you made that first turn, oh my God, <laughs> that was amazing. Right. Did you guys have an expression, like, you know, we say we're in the pocket or down the line now. Was there, did you guys really have a, a handle on what that concept was to ride down the line? Yes, uh, definitely. But, you know, you're going to ride the shoulder. Not, I think that's what they would say. Or ride the shoulder. What I would say, ride the shoulder, not the white water. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So did you surf consistently all those 45 years? Did you ever take time off? or? No, I always surfed. And... Once I got to be able to drive, I'd either drive out to Montauk or I lived in Franklin Square back then. I would go to Long Beach and surf. So, and I had a core group of friends who I'm still friends with today that we sometimes surf together or just hang out together. But those are the friendships that lasted through a long time. The who are people those? I surf with. Who are those guys? Uh, well, my friend Charlie Shelby. Charlie, who, yeah. He's in the park. He's probably my oldest uh, surf buddy. Um, a guy I went to college with, we happened to meet in an art class in Nassau Community College, and we were both surfers, and we're still friends now, and he surfs a little bit, not as much as he would like, but uh, him, and then somebody from high school, my friend Scott, and my friend Louie, he doesn't surf too much anymore because he's in Arizona, he's a, a police officer there, but he's not lost the enthusiasm. Mm. So yeah. Still got the stoke. Yes. What was Long Beach like back then? Because I know a lot of my listeners are, are in the area, like locally, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them come from Manhattan. So, and have you surfed Long Beach in, in recent times? Yeah, I probably haven't surfed there in three or four years. Uh-huh. 
but Long Beach is just less crowded, and it's the same break. It's a beautiful break. You get a northeast wind over there, it cranks. Mm. Yeah, it does. It still gets really great. It amazes me that people come here on the northeast wind when, when Montauk's no good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not quite as good as Long Beach. Um, yeah, especially during, in those nor'easters, in the, you know, as we start getting into winter and, and the spring, yep. man, it can really crank over there. Yeah. Very cool. Where else have you surfed? Oh, geez. Well, most of my vacations were made around surfing. So, uh, let's see, Florida was one of my first trips in uh, Cape Hatteras. I must have been there about 15, 20 times. Um, Did you score? Oh, there's waves all the time. There because Cape Hatteras is great because it has two shores. It has a west-facing shore and a south-facing shore like uh, Long Island. So mm -hmm. there's always a wave to be had. Uh -huh. so, and we don't need big waves. As long as it was pretty decent face, we had a good time. Yeah, we're East Coasters. We know how to surf tiny waves. Yep. <laughs> and I went to Barbados, Hawaii, Costa Rica, Mexico a few times, California three or four times. Um, and inevitably in traveling, there's always, you know, because you're a little out of your element, you're, you're not sure of the, well, anything really, the breaks, the people, I mean, unless you're being guided by somebody. So any, any fun situations or kooky moments happen while traveling or something you wished you just could have redone? Well, always forgetting to tie down your boards. <laughs> yeah, That's always a bummer. That's <laughs> kooky, isn't it? And then fins are broken, dings are made. And, and back when it happened to me, we had to use this regular resin. We didn't have the sun cure. So that was always interesting to do. Um, and then your board's flying off in Costa Rica. Uh, even though it was tied down, it just wasn't good enough. And <laughs> that was even before we got to the break on the way from the airport to the break in Tamarindo, oh, no. so that was not fun. <laughs> My board got spared, though. I don't know why. Oh, nice. Uh, I don't know. Other kooky things. Uh, I don't know. There must be a million things I yeah, can't right. do right now. Sorry. No, that's fine. It's, it's funny how that, that happens. You know, you, it's almost like you, uh, you block them out. <laughs> yeah. So how was, and how was Costa Rica? So you surfed Tamarindo, and, and tell me about some of your surfing there. Yeah, um, you know, we found a break that we didn't really go as far north as Tamarindo. We're a little south of there. I can't remember the name of the beach. Uh, we rented a car that would go on the beach, and we just hung out. We said, oh, there's a, a wave. We went over there, and we surfed a peak there. It was pretty nice. Mm. It was more of a sandbar break or a reef break, but it wasn't a real point break. And we surfed it every day. It was great. Cool. And do you still travel now? Yeah, I just went to Mexico. Nice. And uh, it was a, a nice trip. Awesome. Bunch of friends. Where were you the, where in Mexico? Uh, went to, uh, like, Stapa area, um, Saladita area, mm -hmm. and it was a, a great time there. Awesome. But uh, I went there 10 years ago, and that has doubled in popularity. There's way more people than before. And that's what I keep hearing. And yeah. uh, it's kind of depressing because it's hard enough to catch a couple of ways as it is. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so let alone having to compete with a huge crowd now. Yeah, and they, can, they all can paddle, right? you know, so it, it was difficult. But I still got a few waves, and it was, it was a, a great trip. My wife went and went with uh, probably about 20 other people, not all surfers, but a bunch of surfers. Oh, and that's a fun group, 20? Yeah, all from basically, some from Long Beach and some from the trailer park here. Very cool. So it, it was great. Oh, man, you're going to have to let me know the next time you do a big group trip like that. I want to go. Okay. Sounds like fun. Um, 
Very cool. So Costa Rica, Mexico, Hawaii. Tell me about Hawaii. My friend Charlie lived there uh, for a few years with his wife. And uh, he was in Maui. He lived in um, Kauai. No, it's Kauai. Um, he lived in, in Maui, and I forgot the name of the, the town that he was in. But anyway, he was uh, always telling me, come on out, come on out, now's your chance. So I went out there, and on the way, of course, I got like gastritis, stomach pain so bad I was in the bathroom for 10 hours of the, the flight, it felt like. Oh. And I started to feel a little better. We landed. We were on Oahu first, and I went out. The waves were good. I got my board unwrapped. I went out and caught a few waves. But I was still sick. I finally went out to, the, to, to Maui, and we went to the doctor there. And it was a clinic, and of course I got the gynecologist. <laughs> but uh, he, got, he gave me some pills, and I felt better after that. And we surfed all over. Uh, oh, it was Kihei that we surfed a lot. And we also surfed uh, Hukipa Beach. Mm. And uh, that was interesting because, you know, we, didn't, we weren't big wave experience people. He was getting to be because he was there. But there was one day that it was like two, three feet, four feet. Then some stepladder sets came, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this 10 to 12-foot set came through, and I paddled out when I should have paddled to the right, and I got crushed. Oh, my uh, <laughs> God. So how did you manage? What did you do? It broke outside of you? Yeah. And what did you do? Did you bail did, or turtle? How did you try oh, to do it? Oh, I probably tried to duck dive, but I had a smaller board back then. So oh, and you I, got worked. I still got worked. And the worst of it is, after you get worked like that, it's like, oh, I'm going in. There's a spot there that you actually have to paddle in. You can't just ride a wave in. It gets a little deep spot. So to add insult to injury, I had to paddle in after that, like the paddle of shame. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, we've all been there, that's for sure. Jeez. I've actually really enjoyed this question. This was like as simple as it is. What's your biggest fears in surfing? Now it's not being able to surf. Mm. So that that is scaring me a bit. So I do want to try to correct that and get a few more years in. Um, and I'm always thinking, well, maybe I'll go to stand-up paddleboard surfing instead if, that, if I have to. Mm -hmm. I'd rather not because I love surfing. Mm -hmm. But if I can still keep on riding ways in a different form, then I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, whatever it takes. And, and you'd be a great stand-up paddleboarder because you understand board control and how to ride waves properly. What scares me about the stand-up paddleboarders is the people who realize that stand-up paddleboarding is in a way, easier than surfing. Well, in a way that it's easier to catch waves, but yeah. not necessarily control the board. Right. So you get these people who are beginners on stand-up paddleboarders getting themselves on waves, but not knowing what to do after that. Yeah, that, that is scary. So I'd, I'd really appreciate if you let all the stand-up paddleboarders know <laughs> how, to, how to do it a little better. I do like to stay away from them, to tell you the truth. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's, it, most of them seem shaky on the board. Yeah. And it, sometimes they just fall off. And I can see myself doing that myself. Sure. Well, uh, we, no one expects perfection, but at least the awareness of control and, and the idea of, you know, being responsible with your equipment will be there with you. Right. But I, I would know at least how to turn the board and, and be a little safer that way. Yeah. Well, of but they are would. bigger boards and they're harder to control no matter what. Mm -hmm. So uh, that does worry me a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So and the other thing, um, what... One thing that scares me is fog. Oh, really? Why yeah. So? Um, I was out surfing once, and I was with a friend, and we got separated. And it was like a five, six-foot face swell. And for some reason, I thought I was going to the west. 
drifting to the west. You couldn't see the shore. It was that foggy. Mm -hmm. And you can't see the waves coming, so it's hard to line up. And all of a sudden, I see the back of this huge wave in front of me. I said, oh, my God, that looks like a 15-foot wave. How did that get past me? And then I realized it's the cliff. And, but it looked like the back of a wave at that what? point. And so I freaked me out a little. So I start to paddle, and I said, i got to get out of here. I don't know where the heck I am. So I figured I was down near Poles. Well, I was really down near Hoffman's. Oh, my gosh. So I'm going in. I said, ah, oh, this isn't the right spot because there's a lot of rocks in front of me. I mean, you know, I was able to get around them, but you didn't see them until the last second. Right. So that kind of freaked me out. Not to mention how disorienting it is, you know, like just thinking you're in one place and then realizing you're not, you know, it just totally throws you off. Right. And then I went out at the ranch once, and it was a hurricane swell, but it was foggy out. And they were, I think, from what I remember, like 10-foot face waves. And I wasn't used to surfing there as it was. And not to be able to see the shore and not being able to see the wave coming. And, you know, that 10-foot wave freaks me out a little. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not talking Hawaii 10-foot. I'm just talking Long Island 10-foot Yeah, regular 10-foot waves, you as know, we call them. <laughs> maybe double overhead or something like that. Right. So that kind of freaked me out, too. Sure, sure. That's a good one. You know, nobody had said something like that. Um, you, I, you know, as you can imagine, some of the big ones were sharks and, and big waves. But everybody, uh, just like you, had, like, an interesting fear that wasn't, you know, on my list of what I expected to hear. So, yeah, like I said, love that question. Do you have a memorable, excellent session, something that just will never be forgotten? probably with a great close friend and no one else or maybe just epic waves and you were just on one and nobody could touch you, you know, one of those days? It seems as though all the really good days I was always out in the water with my friend Charlie. Hmm. And we were surfing out east somewhere and it was just an amazing day and also it was crowded out there too and it usually wasn't and we would take off on waves, but everybody else was kind of sitting there and not taking off on these perfect offshore waves from hurricane coming up. And as a matter of fact, I was going to Oswego, and I just got up there to go to school, and this hurricane was coming by, and three of us decided to come back after just getting up there. It's a six-hour drive, eight hours to here. Came back, and we caught epic waves, and we were taking off on the same wave. We were doing... Crisscrosses and cutbacks. <laughs> and it was just a, a, a great day. Awesome. Now that's a true trademark of a surfer to do something to anybody else would look completely illogical. You know, you yes. just drove six hours to get to school, see a swell coming, turn right back around and <laughs> head back where you came from to make sure you're there for the swell. That was probably the best thing I ever did in my life. Right. Yeah, of course it was. Yep. Yeah, hang with friends and, and just surf your brains out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, that, I guess that reminds me of definitely some of my favorite stories of just making those strike missions where you're like, oh, should I? And you're trying to balance logic and, and reason and doing. And then, you know, when the report just says, you know, what you want to see or whatever, oh, yep. forget it. All it's, of that goes out the like window. It's like you're bummed it's going to be so good and it's like, I'm going. Yeah, right. You just got to do it. There's no, there's no uh, you know, thought about it anymore. And there were no, like, surf line or anything like that back then this is 1977 or something like oh, that oh right so, so what, so what just, did you track how did you how did you figure just, out that the swell would be good we saw the hurricane coming just, that we saw on the news and just watching the news up. and seeing that the hurricane was curving Either up the hurricane or tropical storm coming up the uh, gulf coast there about uh, the uh, gulf stream 
and uh, it's going to be good. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, forget about the fine details. There's a hurricane pointing at Long Island. Yeah. Let's go back. <laughs> Very cool. So what kind of boards did you ride most of your life? Was it always longboards or? No, I was against longboards. I, my first board was that eight footer and that was a longboard to me. Mm-hmm. And then from there I got an, a Stewart, which is made by the guy who owned Island Design Surfboards. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Even. I actually, yeah, sure I have. And uh, I think his name is Stu Wickender or something. Like that. So he had a Stewart and that was kind of like a seven six. 710 gun gunny shape and after that I got island design boards in the seven foot range and then I went down to probably like a a six four mana surfboard that a friend of mine uh, got in Hawaii and he sold that to me it was I think it was six six then I even went down to like a six foot board and uh, that was a a brewer made by, uh, uh, I can't think, Mickey Munoz, I think. Oh, wow. And, you know what, I had a hard time with that board. It was too small, too little, Mm -hmm. and I I had to get back up to a bigger board for me. And uh, then I had uh, a Ziphius, and I didn't ride that too long. That was a guy from East Hampton. Interesting. I never heard of that. that. Oh, I also had a... I made, I designed a stinger fish with that guy Stu from Island Design, and it was kind of a fat nose thing with into a stinger tail, with a, a fish type of tail. It was interesting, but it was not a great design. But it was something different. I thought it was pretty cool to so try. So you guys custom? You I custom- got abused about that board too. <laughs> I think Eric Eastman abused me on that board. <laughs> What, is, what the heck is that thing? You know? <laughs> You've heard of Eric Eastman? No, actually, I haven't. He Should was I? an East Coast champion uh, back in probably the 60s. Oh, wow. Sounds, yeah. yeah, so I should know. He's all that and more, just to ask him. So he, yeah. Is he still around? I don't know if he's still around. Oh, i got to look into that. I think he was a teacher also. Interesting. Yeah, and so and what do you do... Uh, for a living uh, in the off season, when you're not here, I'm a technology teacher. You know, like a shop teacher. Oh, cool. What uh, what grade? Seventh and eighth in Freeport. Very cool. So you're in education. I am. Uh, that's, that's what made it so easy for me to be a surfer. Right. Because I had plenty of free time in the summer. I had vacations to go, and I tried to go somewhere, even if it was a, a short trip somewhere, uh, whenever I could to go do some surfing. Very cool. So that's why we get to see you all summer, just hanging and enjoying your time. Yep. So happy to see that. That's um, teaching is probably one of the one of the better surfer jobs, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And maybe it's part of the reason that I became a teacher. Really? Yeah, because based on I, surfing. Yeah, I really designed my whole life around surfing. It's funny you say that. I actually I talk about it all the time that when you know a lot every decision I make is based on. Will this allow me to surf more or less? <laughs> right. And it always comes back to surfing. So, yeah. I mean, well. it sounds corny. It's like it's, it's a way of life. It really is. And it is. Surfing just pumps you up. I mean, it gets the adrenaline going in your body. Just thinking about it makes you want to go in the water. Sure, yeah. And the more friends you have that are surfers, it's really even worse then, or better, I guess you'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, but you're always you talking it. about it. If you're not surfing, you're talking about surfing. Right. 
old days, what's going to happen, boards. I just ordered a new board the other day. Jim, you're just a, so, you're just another 20-year-old surfer still, you know? You inside, never, yeah. Yeah. And that's true for all. There's, in the trail park here, there's a bunch of older surfers, 50 and older, 50 to 65, something like that. And, yeah, we are... Uh, we just keep on wanting to do it. Yeah, good for you guys. I love that. And I make sure, I'll make sure to follow in your footsteps and surround myself with surfers so I keep the stoke real, keep surfing, you know. Um, because ultimately, that's, that's all it's about for me is just to keep myself in the ocean on those waves, you know. Yep. Uh, and who, are, who else are some of those guys? So Charlie's here. I know George. George is always George, out there consistently. Uh, Jim Welsh, he's Jim younger, Welsh, but yeah. he's going to be 50, so he's in that group almost. We'll, yeah, we'll put uh, him in there, honorary Steve member. Steve Cassie. Steve Cassie. He's, he's incredible. Legend. I mean, he uh, catches waves real easy still, and he gets up real quick, and he's fearless. He'll yeah. go out in 15, 20-foot waves. I, I don't think I would ever do that anymore, but... He, he's all for it. Yeah, he can't Steve, wait. Yeah, Steve is, I have a lot of respect for Steve. I love his style, and I love his diligence. I see him out there every morning, Yep. always on it, good and bad conditions. I mean, it has to be pretty horrendous, kind of like today, Right. To, to, you know, to not see Steve out in the lineup. Um, and, yeah, he's still very nimble, too. His stand-ups yes. look good and fast yep. and accurate. You it know, makes me feel bad. <laughs> says, oh, man, or maybe he encourages me. Just by watching it, I got to get back into it a little bit better. I have to do something to make my corrections. So. That's I think that's the right way to see it. You know, like let them inspire you to to like, ooh, let me let me stretch my lower my lower back a little more and open up my hips and let me be able to do that nice smooth lunge forward. Um, but you know that yeah, I know that struggle is real, and I, I I just have so much respect for the guys that just persevere and keep on surfing. You know, and I say this to my my beginner students that are also uh, older just persevere just keep going enjoy the journey of learning how to surf and don't necessarily look to some destination because i i think you can agree with this no matter how much you surf and how much better you get you're always looking ahead at what you can be doing or you know what you want to do in surfing so there's a part of you that's never really satisfied in your surfing even though surfing is totally fun and you can enjoy it all the time but there's also that part of you that keeps and that's probably why we keep surfing because there's a, a bit of a uh, a dissatisfaction and a constant chase to do better and better. There's always something you can do to get better. Like, I wasn't a longboard rider, so when I started to get into longboarding because it was easier for me to paddle, I mean, I've had shoulder injuries and surgeries, and that's hurt me for paddling, so I had to go to a bigger board. So now I'm riding a longboard, and I can, I can turn it, I can pump it, but you know what? Nose riding was not something I was good at. Not, not that I'm good at it now, but... I can get to the nose anyway. I can't say I'm going to hang 10, but I can get to the nose and hang out there for a while. I can't cross that back. I don't have that agility maybe anymore, but I can get there anyway. So, and that, that was amazing. That's something I learned later on in life, not mm. something when I was a kid. Right, right. So that, that's inspired me to keep going and learn a little bit more about it. May I'll even get into some cross-stepping again. Yeah, well, again, not? I never really did it. So, <laughs> Yeah, longboarding was one of the things I picked up later, too, at least later in my surfing, because um, I grew up shortboarding, you mm-hmm. know, and it was like, and when you're a kid, too, especially all the kids around you kind of have this whole longboarder versus shortboarder mentality. So, I, like you said earlier, you know, it was kind of like I was against longboarding. Yep. But man, when I finally opened my mind up to it and, and so it just changed what surfing was to me, all of a sudden a one to two foot wave lined up and clean looked epic. Yes. When prior it was probably 
just too small to surf, you know, or just annoying to try and pump down the line on. And uh, yeah, it's it's important to stay open-minded in surfing because ultimately, I think what we want to do, whether you realize it or not, is just be in the pocket, go down yeah. the line, like get that, feel that flow and power. And if if you need different equipment to do it, why wouldn't you, you know, Absolutely. use that bigger, longer board for it? Yep. But yeah, yeah, and just it, it's a, yeah, just good on us for discovering that and not being so resistant to it and missing out on so many great days of surfing because we didn't want a longboard. Yeah, and there are certain waves that just lend themselves to a longboard, like you said. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go surf a beach break, man, that shortboard's a nice thing to have. Sure, sure. And that's a, a nice wave to ride and get covered up and mm. get some speed, and it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, that's great. So well, I, I miss that. Yes, yeah, that, that must be hard to, to see go. But, I mean, you're still surfing. So are you, have you spent a lot of time in the tube? Are you, uh, were you a good barrel rider? I tried to get in there whenever possible, but I can't say I was a good barrel rider. I mean, it had to be the right wave, and if it was a takeoff into the barrel, I wasn't too good about that. But if it was a, a wave that I saw starting to go, I would definitely hit the tail a little harder and put my hand in a wave and try to get covered up. But Set I can't say I was in a, a, a barrel that was 8 to 10 foot wave. It was usually like a four or five foot wave that I would able, be able to get into. What that. about the rest of the boys? You ever, are they? How do they? Uh, how do they do in the tube? Yeah, not not too much, but if possible, they would go for it. I mean, sure. And if it looked like it was going to close and said, "Man, eh, there's a chance," they'd go for they'd it. They'd pull in. Yeah, sure. Good, good for them. <laughs> how about you? Oh, I love the tube. I look for it uh, for sure. But like like you said, you gotta you know you gotta know when's the right time to try and pull in and when's the right time to just pump down the line and, and go for a maneuver. That's the tough thing because the allure of the tube, you want to be in there so bad that you tend to, well, when you're younger and, and less developed in your ability to read the wave, you tend to try and pull in on sections that really aren't tubing sections. Right. And so you do a lot of these like, you know, head dips or, or just like get That's where I'm at now. I'm more of a head dip, <laughs> head dip kind of guy, yeah. you know? That's fine. And, but yeah, so now, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten a little better just by doing a million, you know, close pulling into a million closeouts and you know just getting washed off my board trying to pull into sections that weren't tubing at all finally started to learn you know when's the right time to do it and yeah i get tubed every once in a while but it's up to the waves you know like yeah it doesn't always happen and right here ditch it isn't a real tubey wave no yeah not I mean, at you all. can get locked in a little bit here and there but it's you'd be better off over kamikazes and maybe get a, a tube right. right there. Yeah, you, I think, so around here, I mean, there's definitely in the world, there's some great spots that just focus long period energy and turn it into this just hollow tubing wave, which is epic. But we don't really have that kind of setup. We're more relying on short period swell, believe it or not, hitting our, you know, little sandbars. Yes. Because our bathymetry is so shallow and sloping slowly, the long period swells build and break too early. Right. Instead of just they don't crash, jack up and, right. And Instead of just crashing into the shallows and then pitching, so you get that same kind of effect when you have a short period swell that doesn't really feel the bottom until it actually gets to the shore where you're surfing. Right. And then it does kind of pitch and jack and throw out. But then it, it's also now because it's shorter period, a peakier wave, and it's more scattered, and you really have to be hunting out there to catch that wave instead of just lining up with some particular spot and, and just constantly pulling in from the same takeoff zone. Right. Yep. But, uh, and you I have to find those, sand, those beach breaks, and they move all the time, exactly. so it's always, you have to be on the hunt for them. Yeah, yeah. Not only when you see a tubing wave, not only do you have to hunt in the lineup, 
but you have to hunt for the beach that's got the right bar in the first place. So it is a constant chase, and you know, the, you got that's where the teamwork of the the group of the boys come into play. You know, and you, you contact each other, and everyone's looking around and trying to find that wave, and uh, you, you try to attack it with a, a more of a, a team effort uh, approach. But yeah, isn't it tough? And, and then those highly anticipated swells often turn out to be not great. And some of the ones that you don't even think about turn out to be amazing. So it's, yes. the life of a surfer is always on edge and always just anxious to find that wave again. Here's a question for you. Sure. Do you have a favorite novelty wave? Yeah, sure I do. And I won't say it. I'll tell okay. you secretly after. Um, okay. But yeah, I have one. It's on Long Island. Okay, it's a that's left, close enough. And it's tubing. And... Uh, and, it, it, and it's a novelty wave because it's a combination. Well, maybe I'm getting too detailed. Now. Yeah, don't get that detailed. <laughs> is it East? Is it Nassau or Suffolk County? Or Suffolk, near, near Suffolk, Suffolk County. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Suffolk County. And um, yeah, and it's, it's a great wave, but it's novelty because it has a lot of dynamics. It's shifting with sand, but it also has some rock structure to help organize the sand. So it can always potentially be good with the right swell dimensions. Right. So whenever those swell dimensions come and the wind is right, you're like, oh, I wonder if this spot's gonna work. You know, I wonder. And man, sometimes it's all time. Sometimes it's not even close. And you're like, man, was this ever a wave? Yeah. What about you? Do you have a favorite novelty wave? A long time ago, I think it's Atlantic Beach or Long Beach, I surfed a place called Backyards. You ever hear of that? No. So it must be Atlantic Beach because the Waves on a big southwest swell would come in through the, uh, the inlet at Atlantic Beach and come through the back and then break along people's bulkheads. And it was a left, and you'd have to sneak through people's backyards <laughs> to get to it. There'd be pipes sticking up out of the water and stuff. So that was a pretty good novelty wave. It was a nice, cool uh, wave, and you would surf it on like a south wind to be offshore. Oh, wow, cool. So that was a neat place to go. And then we'd ride that two to three feet or something like that. And then there was threes. Do you ever hear threes? Yes. I've I don't heard know if threes. that breaks anymore ever, but they, they kind of redredge that. Yeah, I think it may, but very infrequently, but I don't know. So and I that was a heavy local it. place, and I've had boards thrown over the falls at me and stuff. Oh, really? And not because I was being a jerk, but just because I was surfing there, and that was their spot. Yeah, But yeah. I still got a couple of cool rights there. Nice. And uh, I surfed Gardner's Island once. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have an old little boat that I fish off. I'm a big fisherman also. And uh, we didn't know where to go, and we, it was a big swell here. It must have been like a 15-foot swell. And I took the boat out there, and three of us went surfing, my friend Charlie, and uh, his brother, and we uh, went surfing off to the northern part of it. it. It was rocked out bad. It was like surfing right in the rocks a ditch here, on top of the rocks, and it was sucking out on there. But we surfed a few waves there and didn't get too crunched, so uh, it was interesting to be able to just say we did that. Nice, yeah, you got away with it. And Charlie, yeah. once again, uh, in the story, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to hit him up and uh, and interview him. Oh man, he can. He has a lot of stories. Yeah, he's. I love Charlie. He's a, he's a great guy. I, I have a lot of respect for the older guys. They, they just, you know, it's what I want to be. I want to be one of those older surfers that still surfs and has the good attitude too, though. Yep. I don't want to be one of those, like, you know, frustrated or just angry older guys. So. You have to ask him about surfing uh, Turtles Cove. Okay. Because when he would go there, there would be nobody else. Right. Yeah, I'm and, sure. And he was, like, 16 years old, and 
He has some good stories. You need to ask him a bit about sure. that. Sure. Now I'm almost starting to feel like I should have had you both on at the same time. But it's good for me to keep the content rolling, to have you separate. <laughs> yeah, it would be too good to have us. And it would be, we'd be talking over each other and stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Maybe we'll give it a try sometime later in the summer and see how it works out. All right. But uh, that's, that's funny. Um, Oh, oh! So you know what? That the novelty wave question. Just going back to that for a second, I actually just realized that I learned to surf on a novelty wave. Really? So in Long Beach area, at the you know at the kind of uh, eastern end of like the Long Beach Island, is Point Lookout Town, mm-hmm. and yes, there's that that whole big inlet there where waves can potentially at any part of that inlet. I've kind seen of break. movies of that place breaking beautifully. Yeah, beautiful and. When you're a kid, it's it's easy to surf, you know, anything. So mm-hmm. I was always there. My father kept his Hobie cat on the beach there in the inlet. And so I would just come with my surfboard. And and get this, even the ferries that would go in and out. Would make not, a wave. Yep. Even the ferries made a wave. And for a little 10-year-old, that was epic. I would go there and be flat all day. And when I saw the ferry come, I'd run out there with my board, try my best to line up with where I thought it would break, and try to catch just one of those things. And, uh, or maybe it wasn't a ferry, it was the, the fishing boats, you know? Okay, yeah. So on some days, man, if they had the right speed and a full boat, it would actually send proper sets. Yeah. Like, I would be able to surf them now. They were good waves. And, uh, and man, I literally got through an entire summer surfing, learning to surf on f- these fishing boats, fishing charter boats. In the waves. inlet. In the inlet you know, down the beach, yeah. and it kind of at times had a point-break style to it because of the angle that the that was a right. would go by. Yeah, and it was a right. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I've I seen learned that how break to surf there. going over Loop Parkway to Long Beach. You see exactly. that? That's an indicator right yep. there. That's how you could tell. You could see it going over the bridge, and I, I learned how to look at the right spot, and if you just saw whitewater lines, I'd freak out. Yep. Uh, and if it wasn't breaking in there, so since it was right there at the inlet, but the ocean was right around the corner, I'd just take my board. My dad would let me just go. He didn't care. I'd walk down the, around the corner and just keep walking until I got exposed enough to hit a little swell. Sometimes I'd make it all the way around to the ocean and find some little spot there. Sometimes I'd only have to walk to the next beach in the inlet and find like some waves breaking in there. But I'll never forget one time when uh, I was checking it and there was kind of a swell rolling, but it wasn't really breaking or kind of hitting the beach right. And some surfer, and this when you're a kid, you see any older surfer and you're like, oh, you know, like, what? we got to talk. I got to say hi, but I'm scared, you know? Yeah. So I saw him and I just kind of like crept over shyly and thank God he was like really open and was like, Oh man, it's going to be good in an hour. And he didn't even know I surfed or what. He's like, Oh, I could tell when the tide comes in, it's going to be good. And I was like, Oh cool. But I don't have a board. And he's like, I got a board. I'll bring one back for you. And the guy leaves. I told my dad what happened. I was like, pa, we got to stay. This guy just told me it's going to get good in an hour and he's going to bring a board for me. My dad was like, all right. It was never hard to convince my dad to stay at the beach, you know? (laughs) And my brother and sister were there. And he came back in an hour, like he said, with two of his friends and brought me a longboard. And I got to surf with these three older guys. He brought his two friends too. And we were riding this. And just like he said, in one hour, it got good. That incoming tide right in. Yep. And we were surfing from like the, uh, the top of the break all the way through past this little miniature jetty. And it would hit that jetty and then start sucking out. And the greatest thing was that as I was, you know, passing the jetty and getting these great little pocket rides, when I was walking back up the beach, my brother, who at the time was like eight or nine years old, was standing in waist-deep water at the end of the jetty and just waiting for a wave to come and jumping 
into the wave and cranking his rail up into the face and getting himself in the pocket and practically riding these things getting tubed down the line like a little eight or nine years old. I was freaking out. It was one of the best days of my life. And that's technically a novelty wave, yep. you know? And I remember after that session, the guy tried to explain to me, you know, when, what makes that spot work and what tide and what wind and when to look at it. And it was all these dimensions and variables that I hadn't thought so at all would be the keys, but they were. And yeah, I think that most of those novelty waves need the same, maybe not the same wave angle or swell direction, but similar, but you need that low tide and coming or something like that. That seems to work the best. It seems like it. Yeah, you're right. Because there's a couple of, a couple of novelty waves where I feel like the, yeah, you're right. Those same, especially here on Long Island, you know, um, those novelty waves tend to be not south facing waves, not generally. They're like around some corner or something like that in an inlet, you know, or the, the funk, um, the result of like waves refracting off of different things. Yep. And so it takes different winds. And I guess that, you know, well, that's what makes it a novelty wave in the first place. But yeah, those are fun, huh? Because it's just extra special to score a novelty wave. Yes. And it's always perfection, it seems like. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like tens or ones, you know? Like it's yep. either perfect or, or not there at all, you know? It's funny how that works. Very cool. Well, wow, we're hitting 45 minutes, so let's wrap it up. Jim, okay. Jim Wanzelak, wow, thank you so much for being on the show. It was an honor. I really appreciate it, and I have a lot of respect for you and, and your crew of surfers. You guys are just what I want to be when I reach your age. You know, just still surfing, still smiling, still happy, and finding a way to make sure that your life has room for surfing. Thanks, so thanks for being on the show. That was fun. Thank you. Yeah, sure thing. If, uh, if anybody out there knows someone that you'd like to hear on the KootCast, give me, shoot me an email. I'm at info at surfcontinuum.com. You!